It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 76 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Happy Friday, scallywags. Wait, what did you say? It's finally Friday. No, that's not what I thought I heard. I thought... Oh yeah, that is correct. Everyone should get on over to our Facebook Cursed Listeners Crew page. Join the conversations. Well, great fun. Exactly. You can find the link at blackpearlminute.com and on our Facebook page. So make it so. If you want to ask a question and tell us where Heather went wrong, the best place to do that is to call the pirate hotline at 8637-PIRATE. That's 8637-PIRATE. Why, thanks for backing me up. It just may end up on the show and feature your question, and then we'll go ahead and talk about it. That's probably enough plugs for the day. That's it? Yeah. Well, I almost didn't want to mention it, but if you like the show, just go ahead and give us a review on iTunes. (laughs) It was all built up into me. I had to get it out. It helps us out and allows more buccaneers to find the show and then listen, and then all goes well. Now I'm done. Are you sure? Yeah, I've been going through so much roll, so I needed to get all that out before the weekend started. (laughs) I haven't really mentioned it in a while. I don't know how many people hang in to the very end to hear Heather all drunk in the Faithful Bride Tavern, me having to send Banjo in to go find her. It it, it really is a daily occurrence. <laughs> That's where we do all the end of the show prompts and, you know, give us a review. We do appreciate it. like to see your comments and all that good stuff. So hit us with an email, give us a call, or join us on Facebook or Twitter and let us know what you think. Yeah. In the previous minute, Twig lays the proverbial I told you so on Captain Barbosa after the intricate ritual fails to alleviate the curse from the crew of the Black Pearl. Barbosa falls in line and uses the classical parental retort, I won't take questioning or second guesses not from the likes of you, Scott. I mean Twig. <laughs> Keeler joins in the Barbosa bashing and informs everyone that all decisions have led us from bad to worse. Meanwhile, Elizabeth, Will, and the Aztec Gold Medallion sneak into the labyrinth of caves and disappear into the darkness, only to bestow upon the chasing pirates boats without oars. Minute 76 begins with a frantic, cursed crew attempting to give chase and realizing that the oars have vanished. Boson finishes his line from dot dot dot, missing, find them, as the pirates scramble to find those pesky rowing devices. Captain Jack Sparrow emerges from the dark with an oar, approaching the crew. The minute ends with Sparrow responding to Pintel's question about who thought of the blasted word parlay. That would be the French. The camera takes us from the cave to the open water. A trail of floating oars leads back to the HMS Interceptor. thought you were going to say Dauntless. I almost said Dauntless. Every time I say HMS, I want to say Dauntless. Yeah. That's it's just like ingrained of, there. Yeah. Because I just call it the Interceptor, I think. The Interceptor. The Interceptor. The Dauntless. You don't call it the just the Dauntless? No. That's because it's the Commodore ship. The Commodore ship. You have to say HMS Dauntless? Yeah. But okay, the Interceptor yeah. just says... The Interceptor? Interceptor. Interceptor. You've already derailed yeah. us and we just started. <laughs> Man. Happy Friday. Yeah. 
Well, the good thing is, is that Jack is obviously a bit out of things after being clunked on the head. Is it? Or did he find some room? No, he got clunked. It was empty <laughs> horn, but that's kind of what it's like. But I like that it's not always something we see as a character when they get knocked unconscious in a movie. You don't ever see that, yeah. actually. Never. Usually the knockout blow is like fairly light. And this is something that, well, usually you see something that would not really knock somebody out. And this is what we saw earlier, at least I contended that we saw earlier with Will Turner. During and the Elizabeth. With the slap. Yeah, when he hit, knocks her out. And down the... Yeah, I don't know how... I mean, he looked like he really oh, walloped her. Yeah. So it's possible she got her nog or bell ring. Yeah. Will Turner, on the other hand, kind of gets clanked with a chalice or yeah. something. I don't recall what it was now. I think it was something like that. And he goes out. Not only just out, but he's out for hours because he wakes up in the morning. So he just kind of fell asleep. It was like sprinkling <laughs> just with fairy dust. He took a nap. <laughs> well, they, they sprung... Yeah, it was some fairy dust. He fell asleep after being clunked. So it was a whole thing there. But yeah, you don't really see it in movies all that much. Especially not waking up from being clunked and acting like Jack is here. Yeah, so that's the whole thing. I mean, the good news is that Jack gets a good blow to the noggin. Or I don't know if it's good news. It's that the good news is that we see that he gets clunked, if we're going to call it clunked, or this blow to the noggin. And when he does wake up, he's not picking up just exactly where he left off or just pretending to hold his head. And it's like, no. oh, that hurt. He's actually... A bit out of it. He's well, more than out of it than he normally is. Yeah, a little discombobulated here. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think. I thought they did a good job of adding that to this particular moment, but having a spin with the Jack character on it, but then also making it at least something that we could relate to. Like, okay, he's actually been yeah dealt a blow to the head and is a little out of it, not just waking up and then running off and all coherent. Right. This is also another instance of no honor among thieves or no pirate love between crew. Because the first thing the crew say when Jack is spotted is, you're supposed to be dead. Not, <laughs> hey, it's Jack. My God, it's Jack. <laughs> or, why aren't you dead? You know, hey, it's, why aren't you dead? Like, you should be dead. And not only that, it's Pintel. Pintel just went through the same freaking thing with Barbosa. Yeah. Now he's doing it to Jack. It really is a tough crowd with this cursed crew. <laughs> and now I thought I had some sympathy for Pintel being out of the inner circle and getting blasted by Barbosa. Yeah. In the last minute or the last few minutes. But now I don't know if I have that anymore because he's perpetrating the same thing on Jack. It's a funny reunion. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but the good news is, or the good news at least as far as good news for Jack, is that this lack of happiness of seeing Jack from this whole crew here Pintel gets rewarded with the frustrating request for parlay. And that is just like another tit for tat kind of moment here that we saw. Yeah. So it's almost like a miniature Barbosa scene that just happened with Pintel now. Because we saw in the previous minute, Barbosa, or not necessarily, in the past couple of minutes, 60, what episode was that? 65 or 64? I'm mean, 65. I'm already going back so far. <laughs> 74, I think it was, is when we see... Him get blasted, right? Yes. In Barbosa. So now we're seeing, in the same whole scenario, so now we're seeing kind of, a, or a not necessarily that, it's a tit for tat as far as Barbosa and Elizabeth. We're seeing that Barbosa gets what's coming to him from yeah. Elizabeth, whole thing. And now we're seeing, well, now he's getting some revenge in the most mildest of senses here because it's really frustrating Pintel that he's alive and now he's requested parlay. Right. So do you think that actually Pentel or the rest of the pirates were, would have just blasted Jack right there? 
did he really need to ask for a parlay? If Jack had just what? showed up there and they killed him, would Barbosa have gone ape s? Ah! Should I say because they killed him without talking to him, or would he have not cared? I'm would not he have sure. said, "Blimey, you know, I can't believe that Jack showed up here. What's all? What's going on here? Why is Jack here?" Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, would I they want to? You know, I was you because you have all the pirates surrounding Jack, all with their guns and swords held up to him. And my, I was kind of wondering why so much, you know, why are they threatening him, basically? That, well, because he was the captain and he, he was left on an island to die. Right. And revenge is a dish best served cold <laughs> kind of thing. Okay. Rathacon. So they're afraid of what? Well, Jack just stumbles back in. To... Why is he on Isla de Muerta knowing that that's where they hang out and bring their gold? Is he oh, trying to steal the black oh, pearl? Yeah, because and they he's all have this here. greed thing still going. Yeah, so they're greedy with all their treasure there. Yeah, Jack is alive. Is showed up on this island and alive. Why would he come directly here? A, either to steal our gold, or B, knowing that we would show up to either kill us all or get revenge on us. Yeah, and then to steal back the black pearl because they don't know or they they don't know. Well, I guess actually that's not true because Keeler did reveal that they were cursed so but i don't think that jack was a well actually we know that obviously keeler didn't say much or twig didn't say anything like we saw jack oh in yeah jail. so that's an interesting point so obviously right. keeler and twig saw jack and didn't say any didn't bother to say anything to any of the rest of the crew that we saw there or at least pentel and rigetti didn't hear about it right but i'm sure if keeler and twig went back to the black pearl and said you won't believe this we just left Jack Sparrow in jail at Fort Charles at Port Royal. All the crew would know that Jack was alive. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that they didn't mention it. Yeah. You know, they didn't but mention maybe it with all. all the excitement with Elizabeth and everything. It just but, was a non, it was like, this is a non-issue. He's in jail. Yeah. He's not going to be a problem. But none of, it doesn't seem like any of them, anybody else knew because Pintel and Rigetti definitely would have heard the word. Right. So yeah. there you go. I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting point though. Why didn't... That would have been a just a topic of conversation as they're sailing while they're doing their chores or yeah, just swabbing the deck or hey, whatever. We, Jack's alive. You won't believe this, but I freaking saw Jack. Yeah, he was still complaining about that whole mutineering thing. <laughs> but no, nobody said anything. Now he's on the island here. They got to be going. Something's up. I mean, Barbosa should be questioning, and Keeler and Twig should be stepping forward. And say, yeah, he was at Port Royal too. Yeah, Barbosa would be going. Okay, there's a connection here, but maybe we're reading more into that. But yeah, so Pintel and Rigetti, at least, and the rest of the crew right there didn't really have a clue. Right. And they expected him to be dead. So that's why they're holding him up. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting question of why they didn't keep their mouth shut. It's like they could keep their mouth shut on this, but every other pirate movie we've seen or pirate show, these guys can't keep their mouth shut for nothing. Yeah. Yet this, the big news that they can't, they do keep their mouth shut. What the hell? <laughs> I guess that's just a weird personality or character thing. We can just maybe leave it at that. Why they didn't talk. I don't know if that's really believable. I think they probably would have said something. Yeah. Maybe Rigetti and Pintel and some of the rest of the guys that we see here really are not part of this inner circle. <laughs> Barbosa has like the inner circle and then he has the fake inner circle. <laughs> That's like, I'm Pintel. just going to call these guys, and they think they're in it, and then all is good. But I think it's time to point out another inconsistency, or maybe calling out something that doesn't quite make sense for me. Okay. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Why are the oars 
floating like breadcrumbs out there in the water at the end of the minute. So yeah, I'm kind of jumping to the very end of this minute. But my question is, why are these oars all lined up going to the interceptor? Well, we don't know where Will and Elizabeth are. No, we don't. We know but that... maybe they did it. Well, that's possible. But my point is, assuming, because we're, we can make that assumption that nobody else is on this island except for Will and Elizabeth, uh-huh. okay? All the oars and the rowboats are gone. Just the oars Jack's, are gone. Or Yeah, just the oars. Sorry about that. Yeah. The oars are gone to all the boats. Yeah. Jack is still on the island. The cursed crew are still on the island. And Elizabeth and Will maybe have gone away. And so the assumption that I can make is that they took a boat, they took all the oars, and they're sailing out. Yeah. So but why leave a trail of breadcrumbs? Yeah, why leave the breadcrumb trail of the oars? So yeah, that's my I, don't, question to I you. don't know. I mean, wouldn't you just have dumped all of them overboard once you were, say, a good distance out of the caves and not maybe left a one-by-one trail? Yeah. I mean, you don't want the oars maybe, you don't want to put them right back in the, like kind of the mouth of the cave so they'd wash right back in. But if you were out of the cave a good distance, you could just throw them out and call it a day. But this was pretty strategic and well, like on purpose that you would leave one practically right after another. They they seem to be kind of stacked. You had one and then part of the ore was stacked on top of the previous one. I didn't look that And they were kind of, they looked kind of, because they were going Well, I'm sure for movie directions. effects that they were tied together and linked oh, probably. together. But it looked like they were almost stacked on top of each other, so they made the trail. Well, they'd have to be, because you can imagine the oh, frustration like, yeah. of the, the prop guy setting this up. God dang it! These things are out of order again. You got to get the shot right away. So they obviously were connected to make the shot. But my question stands, why were they in this order? Or why were this in this trail, this kind of connecting trail all the way back to the Instead of just all dumped in one Instead spot. Instead of just taking them off. I mean... I like the look of the shot, and I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. The way it looks, it's just like, okay, they took them, and they're leading back to the interceptor. But it's a trail of breadcrumbs. You're but leading yeah. everybody where Unless it at. is like a hang, because we don't know where we're going the next minute, it could be that this is where they went kind of deal. Yeah. Ooh, Elizabeth and Will got off the island, or got off the island. Yeah. And now that they're headed out, and we can make that assumption. But yeah, it's just interesting, because I can imagine Will is probably the one rowing the boat at this point. And Elizabeth is the one who's probably dumping the oars. Right. That's just what I imagine. She's just been knocked out. Will is taking over that kind of man position and doing the rowing well, yeah. here. She's probably doesn't row boats. She's usually the one who's getting rowed. Arr! That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a euphemism. That's just straight rowing action. So, <laughs> man, now it's all gone to hell. You got fast rowers. You got slow rowing, you got one rowing, you got two oars. <laughs> you really got all kinds of different things here. <laughs> Will, I, you know, I, actually when I was looking in the blacksmith shop, when I was looking back, I did see the comma rowing book <laughs> that was sitting there and it talked about all the different methods of rowing your boat. <laughs> God. Or is it the rowing it's sutra? Friday. Whatever one it is. <laughs> I don't quite remember. But he did have a copy of that. So Will does know how to get the boat oh, to shore. Or go. to the interceptor. <laughs> so again, my question still stands. I mean, so again, getting back to what we were actually talking about. It's not that, well, maybe it would be just really heavy for her to bundle all these oars up in one throw. So I'm not saying that she's not a strong woman. 
But she can throw multiple oars out at a time, and they'd kind of just be flopping around. Right. So I, I'm not really sure I buy that reality of it. And we're talking about buying the reality of a pirate movie with skeletons. So there's already a supernatural <laughs> thing. This is Isla de Muerta with the treasure, the cursed Cortez treasure. So maybe there's just something curse-like going on here with the oars. Maybe because she has the medallion. Ooh, here's a theory. That the it's island, the island, they threw the oars out and the island and the curse are pointing the way to where they went. Oh, maybe. So the pirates can find her. Maybe. Think about that. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe that's maybe the they did throw them all out. Yeah. And the, the tide, maybe. because of the island and the curse that's right on the island, has all, all that unnatural oars. fog around it that the, the curse just kind of slowly puts the oars and it's pointing yeah. like, hey, Barbosa pirates, this is where Yay. they freaking are. Yeah, but you would think the island would then bring the oars back so they could actually go somewhere. I well, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm not saying the curse is completely smart, but it has lined it up. It might be helping them. Maybe I'll have to look into that more and see if that's exactly why that happened. Maybe that is the real reason. Maybe. Maybe I'll give some information and I'll try and do some behind the scenes look and see if there's any mention of that but i have a feeling that it was just something that was done because it's kind of a cool breadcrumb looking yeah tech. but maybe it was the curse that did it maybe yeah i should have probably really looked at that when i was questioning it and then looked in the script to see if there's some details but i completely forgot to do that and again that's friday so i just just <laughs> didn't do it probably should have so now i'm gonna have to rehash this on monday if i found anything and bring it up again it's just gonna be ridiculous <laughs> So then maybe we can find out what really happened. Did she throw them all overboard? The island lined them up with the curse or did she place them out there or did they not? And somebody in the production crew really just tied all these words together. <laughs> <laughs> I'll end that stink eye that I'm giving this kind of or situation. Maybe kind of a bad note. I've kind of called it out, but maybe I'll end it on a good note saying it is a kind of a brilliant move. I mean, if we were in this situation... I probably would have just hustled to the rowboats or these longboats and rowed away as fast as possible, not thinking about taking the oars with me if I was in their situation. Right. So Elizabeth or Will, whoever came up with that, actually did a pretty cool, brilliant job to make sure they could try and get away. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not all negativity here on that. I threw them a bone, a pirate skeleton bone. (laughs) Did you take it offshore? I took it off the shore, yeah. And this whole kind of crazy scene, I think he's actually behind Jacoby. And Jacoby, and this is when Jack comes into the cave or stumbles into the cave. And then all the people, well, all the people, all the pirates point their guns at him. Yeah. Behind Jack, when he tries to turn around, is Jacoby with a gun. Yes. And then behind Jacoby is another pirate that we can introduce ourselves to. And he's not necessarily a main one, but he is a character pirate who has a name so we'll go ahead and introduce him and his name is clubba 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 it is and he's the thin bald and scarred face pirate and i think maybe he has some tattoos as well that is in this particular scene so like most of the secondary crew with names or the name guys if we want to call them that nothing is known about his past or background <laughs> but he is portrayed by david Pattyquitch. And not much on the acting front for David. Like 50% of his acting gigs are uncredited with the most recent being an appearance on Lucifer, the television show. Oh, okay. I know we've had other pirates like Mallet and Grapple that have, they're named really after the weapons of choice that they have. In Clubba, I was really hoping that he would have a club, that he was like this caveman guy that had a club. 
But no, his weapon of choice was a sword. Oh. It was so disappointing. I really wanted that theme to carry on. But no, Clubba does not have a club. <laughs> and that is just a letdown. It's a wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but getting back to David, the actor, the one thing about him, or Clubba, if we want to call him that, is that his character's names in these really eight kind of roles that he's had, or at least that are on his IMDb page, seem to have this creative naming element with them. Like Clubba. Clubba is just an interesting, unique name, right? Uh It's not like Joe or anything. So here's a list of his names for his acting credits. There's not many, more than I have, but, you know, it's out there. Here you go. Baldy Scientist. (laughs) Bald Alien Kid. That was actually from Men in Black 2. There's a theme going on here. That's right. Acid Tripping Park Ranger. Wow. Sleepy Pete. (laughs) Spooky Prisoner. And The Creature. The Creature. I mean... Come on, what kind of acting resume is that yeah. with your names? I mean, that is just spectacular right That's there. That's pretty awesome. I like because, the creature. Yeah, if you're going to go for something, you might as well just do it right. It's like, yeah, no, your name's going to be Pete. No, can, I, can we change that to Sleepy Pete? You're just a park <laughs> ranger. No, I want an acid trip. That way his resume really yeah. stacked up with some cool stuff. I wasn't just Pete. I was Sleepy Pete. <laughs> I wasn't just a scientist. I was baldy scientist. Baldy scientist. Yeah. That's pretty funny. It is. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're talking about some behind the scenes stuff here or just even some of the movie stuff. I wanted to point out, or I need to point out actually, is the cinematography in the final seconds of this minute. We see the HMS Interceptor and the fog and the Trail of Oars leading to it. Uh Uh-huh. But the best part of this shot is the rocking back and forth. This Presumably the cameraman was on a boat allowing the waves to roll the shot. And so you get this whole rocking effect. You're actually seeing the interceptor go back and forth because the camera is actually going back and forth. So you're kind of moving with the interceptor and it's really cool. Wow, I didn't I think notice it, that. How could you not notice that? It really makes know. you feel like you're on the ocean in this scene. And yeah. It's just, I just really like it. I mean, I think it adds a bit of realism and interconnectivity or interactivity to the movie. It just is really, I don't know, it may not even be that spectacular, but for me, it was just really something that I caught my eye, is that right. you're on the rowboat, it's like you're almost, because you're looking at the oars in the ship, uh-huh. so it's almost like you're you're not looking at it from land, because the camera is stationary, or has, you know, like a motion thing on it to keep it from doing that. Right. It's actually allowing to rock with the ship, so you're watching it just go, because you're on the boat, or this cameraman is on oh, the boat. Oh, that's pretty cool. Tape, taping it, as Heather yeah, would say. Yeah, taping it. So I thought it was pretty cool. I just really, instead of like a still kind of controlled shot, I really liked the idea that they took it, say, out maybe a handheld camera or something, or maybe they had it rigged up on a long boat themselves and were filming it, or just even on another boat. That's really cool. I'd like to think that it was just on a long boat that they were doing that one. It probably wasn't. (laughs) probably had something motorized on this that they could actually get around. Maybe. But I did really think it was cool. So if you haven't seen that, just go check that part out and tell me if I'm crazy or not. But it really was kind of a neat thing. It just made me just feel like I was me, right there. Just say he's crazy for the heck of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really have anything else. So if you wanted to get to our segment, if you will, then we can do that. Unless you had something else you wanted to talk before we kind of start to wrap things up. I just wanted to mention Jack and his parlay here. Okay. Did Jack forget? Do you think Jack forgot how to say parlay? I know he's been knocked out and I- he's got a little sc- He's a little fuzzy at this moment. Do you think he actually forgot how to say parlay? Or and was just trying to remember? 
Or do you think it was because of his knock on the head? I took it as his knock on the head. Okay. That he had just been knocked out. He's kind of moving back and forth. He's not quite back to normal Jack yet. Yeah. And so he just lost it. I think that's how I kind of took okay. it. Because I think Jack is somebody I can imagine being a trickster type that he has used parlay on multiple occasions to get yeah. out of a tight squeeze. And so I think that that's what it was. And I think this is just all part of his being slapped with an oar. Okay. And then Rigetti's sitting there and he's watching him. If you watch Rigetti during this time, watch him trying to figure out what he's trying to say. Sitting there, what are you, what are you trying to say? Like it's a game. Yeah, you know, Rigetti's, it's like it's a really game to Rigetti. Yeah. He's like sitting there. Well, it's his little what, win. If he can get this, this, it shows that he's smart. Parlay. <laughs> it shows that he's smart. That's what yeah. it is. Because he has that trouble of people underestimating him. And he wants to be estimated. <laughs> so now people are going, oh, yeah, see, look, I figured it out from what he was saying. He's like a word sleuth. He's like the New York Times crossword guy. Parlay. I thought that was pretty cute when he said that. Nobody else thought it was cute. but No. <laughs> But that's all I have. Well, then, because it's Friday, and that means it's time for Really Bad Eggs. It's the segment where we throw out our favorite lines from the week, and let's get that going. Mine comes from Minute 76, and it's none other than Pintel talking to Rigetti about who just helped Jack remember the word parlay. (laughs) I thought Heather was going to ruin this whole thing for me when she had to bring it up. She didn't talk about it even in the beginning when we actually mentioned it. No. And I obviously left it out. It was a big part of this thing. But then right at the end, oh, well, I wanted to mention. Well, you know what? Of course you did. <laughs> of course you tried to spoil it. But anyways, mine is from Pintel. And he says, damn to the depths whatever madman thought of Parlay. <laughs> Although it does have some colorful pirate speak, I'm really invested in this line because of the acting and reaction that Pintel has. I mean, he has like so much feeling and frustration that this line represents it all to me. It's not only did they just fail to get rid of the curse, but this whole fiasco started with Elizabeth asking for parlay. Oh, yeah. So now he's reliving that nightmare of pure frustration all over again since his buddy (laughs) Rigetti managed to remind Jack to ask for parlay. It's the circle of pirate life here. Yes. And... It's right. It's this whole, it's not just the line, but it's the whole interaction. Jack doesn't remember what it is. Rigetti is trying his darndest to figure this little crossword puzzle out or this little clue and get it all excited because he does figure it out. And Pintel is just so pissed off and irritated. Another freaking person. (laughs) It's like he would look at his watch like, how much time has passed? It's just asked for parlay. This never happens. Now I got another person doing this? I wanted to blast this guy. (laughs) So that's what I like about it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool, actually. So what do you have? I have the child in whose veins flows the blood of William Turner. Ooh, nice one. And I just think it's another one of those... Barbosa lines that just kind of flows and it's just kind of almost poetry-like. Yeah, Barbosa does have a lot of that poetic kind of tone, or not really tone, but almost, what do you call it? The way his words just flow. Yeah. Yeah, it really has like a poetic feel to it. Yeah. Just, or sound, I should say. Right. I just thought it was a really cool line and it just flows, well, flows is in it, but <laughs> it just kind of flows really nicely and, you know, it's just... It's just kind of cool way of saying <laughs> the child of William Turner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's not just it's the it's the artistic nature and poetry of the way that they would say normal things is yeah. what comes out. It's not just where's the child of William Turner. It's actually then there's poetry and art 
artistry to the way they say it. Right. And that's what makes it sound good. And that's why you remember it. Yeah. I also had a runner up and I just thought of it just now, but it was by blood begun. By blood undone. By blood undone. Yeah. I thought that was just awesome. It is. And I mentioned that there was a lot of, say, Pirates of the Caribbean fans and fan fiction writers and artists and stuff who use that particular line. Yeah. And I think it needs definitely a heads up. I almost was going to go with that. Well, okay, it wasn't because I was really focused on this other one. But then I thought about <laughs> it. And I go, you know, I might have chose that one. But I did want to throw it out as the one that we should mention and just bring up again. Because it really is a very interesting kind of tell of how the curse works. And I think it has a lot of meaning by it. Yeah. Because it really is talking about, it really has a lot of symbolism. And I usually like a line that has a lot of symbolism in it. Because they are talking about a this whole curse that began by blood. Because they did killing. They were really going after the treasure. It goes back to Cortez with all the blood that happened with Cortez. And yeah. him killing the Aztecs. Then they take it, and it's just this thing that relives and relives and keeps coming back by anybody who takes this treasure, and then they got to repay the blood. So the blood, it's this whole circle of pirate life, like I was just saying with the other one. Yeah. This one is really kind of more about that symbolism, so I thought it was pretty cool. Very cool. And that you can't escape the sins of your father, almost. You know, Right. Yeah, for this particular curse. You can normally, but in this particular case, you cannot. Nope. And then Will is definitely not going to be happy about... You know, he doesn't want to become a pirate. And we've also heard when Jack basically told him that his dad was a pirate, he's already afraid of that. Right. And following in his dad's footsteps and having to deal with the sins of his father. And that's kind of what this whole thing's about here. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. I got to leave. Well, I have to. It's a little heavy for Friday. I know it is a little heavy for Friday, but I did want to leave on the word blood because (laughs) then I can end the week on blood. So we'll be back on Monday with Minute 77 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Where's my grog? What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.